Father God, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to speak to us today, Lord. Speak through me today, Lord. Speak your word, Lord God. Anoint these words on my lips of clay, God. Let the anointing, the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God move as it already has been this morning, Lord God. And we give you praise and we give you glory for it. Lord, move me out of myself. Speak to me and through me, Lord God, as a channel of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll pick up in 1 Corinthians 15, where we have been parked for a couple of weeks. And as you know, Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul. This was a, what they call a pastoral letter to the church in Corinth. 
He wrote it to deal with the worldliness that had entered the church. Now the church was full of divisions. Way back then. Could still be speaking to the church now. Because the church back then and the church is now full of divisions. Right? It had, had gross immorality that was not only permitted by the church, but it was supported by the church. Mm. And one of the issues that he dealt with was the misunderstanding of the resurrection, his as well as ours, or theirs back then. Amen? Now, he had dealt, he had first visited the Corinthians several years prior. So therefore, they should have been spiritually more mature than reports suggested. So this is the reason why he wrote this letter. One, one of the reasons was they should have been farther along than they actually were. Because he had visited them with the same message years ago. However, instead of progressing, they have regressed. Mm. So amen, lights. <laughs> The people were carnal, which means they were fleshy. And at times, they lived like unbelievers instead of disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm, mm, mm. They needed to allow the Holy Spirit to bring them to maturity so that they could have a godly influence on their world and advance God's kingdom agenda. That's why growing spiritually or spiritually maturing is important, especially in the days we live in now. Because God needs us to be in the right place at the right time to speak the right word with maturity. So that we can be an influence and make an impact in this world for the kingdom of God. So 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory that what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins, again, according to what? The scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the what? In other words, he got what? Up. Not only did he get up, but verse 5 tells us, and he was seen of Cephas or Peter, then of the twelve, talking about the disciples. After that, he was seen above 500 brethren or followers at once, of whom the greater part unto this present are still here, in other words, but some are fallen asleep or some have died. After that, he was seen of James. And then of all the apostles, James didn't believe Jesus when he was on this earth. But then he had a conversion and became a pastor himself. That was Jesus' half-brother. And, and last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of, what, due time. Now, seen in Greek means to see, perceive, attend to, to look upon, and experience. So they saw him. They perceived him. They attended to him, they looked upon him, and they experienced him. 
Amen. A man with an experience beats a man with an argument anytime. Amen. Amen. All right. As we have just read, this and this is not an exhaustive list. The risen Lord wasn't seen by merely one or two people. He wasn't an aberration. It wasn't only a couple of people that saw him. Paul was telling them and is telling us that there were numerous eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection. And I'll read verse 5 again through 8. And he was what? Seen of Cephas or Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren or 500 people or 500 followers at once. Not one at a time individually, but at one time, all of them see him. So they all couldn't have this vision unless they all was on something. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a vision, it was a real thing. It was Jesus, of whom the great part unto this day but some are falling asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, seen of me also, born out of due time. Now, let's, let me put it where you can get it. The gospel is not God's history. The gospel is God's historical revelation of himself mm. in Jesus. God, God, the gospel is God's historical revelation of himself in Jesus Christ. All right? It's, histor it's his historical revelation of himself. Because you remember Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have what? Seen the Father. So Jesus was the historical revelation of God himself that resided in Christ Jesus. Hmm. It is a saving event that literally happened in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus as seen by reliable witnesses. In other words, you could trust what the witnesses said. Amen. Amen. The gospel is not speculation or theory. It concerns events that can be reported or Paul wouldn't have, wouldn't have included it if it wasn't confirmed or documented. In other words, Paul had the receipts to put it in our terms. And he would not have documented it unless he had those receipts. So, see, it's best when, you, when you're talking about something, you need to know what you're talking about and you need to have receipts to show what you're talking about. Because if you're just talking, you're just talking. And a lot of people are just talking without having the right receipts. But that's another time. Amen. Amen. This was no conspiracy concocted by a small band of people. These are essential truths of the gospel. Through the sacrificial substitutionary death and resurrection of the God-man Jesus, all those who place their faith in him are forgiven of their sins. They are reconciled to God. And they are adopted as children. And the best part is receive eternal life. All that means this. Sinners like you and me can be saved. That's a shouting spot right there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sinners like you and me can be saved. And Paul knew what he was talking about because in one scripture he said he was the chiefest of sinners. <laughs> Before he became Apostle Paul, 
He was the pop, he was the Paul that you didn't want to see coming to your house. Because if he showed up <laughs> before he was Paul named Saul, that means you was in trouble. <laughs> that means he was getting ready to deal with you severely, harshly, and in, in most cases, murder you. So he was the cheapest of all sinners. And if God can save him to write most of the New Testament, what can he do with you? Mm. Now here's five things Jesus did when he was on this earth. He first, he showed up. <laughs> he didn't show his love from heaven. He showed his love on earth. Amen. And guess what? He still does that same thing today. He will bend his ear to listen to you and intercede on your behalf to his father. Yeah. He modeled community. Jesus modeled community. What that means, he was never too busy to stop and show that he cared. Y'all remember he was on his way to Lazarus' house and the situation jumped up and he had to go take care of it and then he went on to Lazarus' house and rose Lazarus from the dead. Amen? He modeled community. He comforted they're broken. I don't know about you, but I've been broken. Yeah. Yes. But see, God can deal with you when you're broken. Yes. Huh? Yes. Jesus comforted the broken. He wasn't, and then even this, he wasn't even frustrated when the disciples didn't understand this plan. They walked with him, talked with him, ate, broke bread with him, seeing him do all these miracles. And they still had a hard time understanding where he was coming from, but he was not frustrated by them. Amen? Amen. And guess what that means for us? He still has grace for our questions. Thank God for that. Amen. Amen. And he redeemed mistakes. He brought back mistakes, or he, he redeemed mistakes. Even though Peter stumbled in his faith, it didn't cancel his identity in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Even though he denied him three times, as Jesus told him he would, yeah. he still used Peter in a mighty way once the Holy Spirit got a hold of Peter. He used all that stuff before the Holy Spirit to use when Peter got the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> or received the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the last thing Jesus did, one of the other things that Jesus did, he instructed and he empowered. So he showed up, he modeled community, he comforted the broken, he redeemed mistakes, and he instructed and still instructs, and he empowered and still empowers. Which is where we're going today to receive the answer to the question, what did Jesus do? After his resurrection, but before his ascension. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We've got the first three verses. Acts chapter 1. The book of Actions. Action. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. He said, Jesus both began to do it, and he began to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, 
after that he through the Holy Ghost had given what? Commandments, which are orders. They're not suggestions. Unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Very important. He chose you. <laughs> the Bible says he didn't love us. We didn't love him first. He loved us first. Yes, yes. He didn't choose. We didn't choose him. He chose us. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs or unmistakable con or convincing proofs being seen of them how many days? 40 days. Remember he was seen. But I didn't tell you that he was seen how long? How long? He was seen 40 days. 40 days. So he didn't come by for a quick drive-by. Right. He was there for a minute. Yeah. Amen. And he spoke, and he was speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, the disciples didn't have a corporate delusion, nor did they see a ghost. Jesus proved to them that he was the same flesh and blood man who had been crucified, buried, though now he was in a glorified body. He spoke to them between his resurrection, but before his ascension, about the kingdom of God. Why? Because God has an agenda. And that agenda is the advancement of his kingdom in the world. This is the unifying theme of scripture. It's the kingdom of God. And he wants to advance, God wants to advance his kingdom in the earth. All right? And as Dr. Tony Evans says it, God's kingdom agenda is the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of your life. In other words, you are living your life as unto the Lord by being completely surrendered to him. That's, the, that's God's overarching thing over your life as a kingdom disciple is to place your life in submission to him. And live your life to glorify him. Yes. Amen. Amen. His kingdom rule needs to remain at the forefront of your thinking. That's why the Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek ye first what? The kingdom of God. Yes. When first. Why? Because it needs to be at the forefront of your mind so that you can live out the life that God has. Chosen for you to live out. Amen? Amen? Now, not only does Acts begin by telling us that Jesus focused on the kingdom before his departure, but the book ends by telling us that Paul preached the kingdom message. So if you flip back to Acts chapter 28, in the last verse, it says that Paul also preached the kingdom message. That's important. Acts began with the kingdom message, and it ends with the kingdom message. And guess what? We are empowered to spread the kingdom message. We're going to get into that a little bit. Amen? Amen. Now, the kingdom message is embedded in the Great Commission. <laughs> the kingdom message is no hidden thing, but it's embedded in the Great Commission. It's in there. You want to see the kingdom message? Let's go to Matthew 28. 
Matthew 28. Starting at verse number 18. It says this. Matthew 28, starting at verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, or make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world or age. Amen, in the King James. He gave this command to the apostles shortly before he ascended into heaven, and it essentially outlines what Jesus expected the apostles and those who followed them and followed him to do in his absence. That's us. Amen. In other words, these are your marching orders if you are a believer. Amen. 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 Jesus didn't come to die and be resurrected just so that you can be saved and wait to go to heaven. Right. Some people believe it. <laughs> He didn't die and get resurrected and ascend so that you could just sit here and wait on your blessed assurance to go to heaven. He didn't do that. Mm -mm. Jesus declared to them and to us that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given unto him. In other words, he is saying, I'm in charge. The Father has given the Son all authority up there and down here in heaven and in history, in eternity and in time. That's what that means. Christianity is more than just some word or label or religion tied to a generic small g God. Okay? It's not just some small thing, all right? Authority over the universe is in the hands of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So let me put it where the ghosts can get it. On any football field, the players are more powerful than anyone else. If you look at a football player, he could be from 6'3 to 7 foot and as wide as a refrigerator or more, right? But the referees have the authority. That authority has been given to them by the league office. Amen. And no matter how strong and fast the players are, referees can stop their whole show. How? By blowing the whistle. Okay, how fast and how big and how strong and how lean they are. All the referee got to do is blow the whistle and they better stop or they're going to get kicked out. Why? The referee is in authority on that football field. Amen? The devil is more powerful than you, but Jesus has all authority, and if you are a believer, you have delegated authority over the devil. The devil is more powerful than you, 
But since you are a believer, you have delegated authority over the devil. Amen. So I'm telling you this. Quit letting the devil run you. And you start running the devil. You have the delegated authority to tell the devil yeah. to shut up. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is to get into conversations with him before we tell him to shut up. Come on, <laughs> If you tell him to shut up. <laughs> Amen. But we need to, 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 to stop the devil in his tracks. And that's why your association with Jesus, especially during these perilous times, should be the ultimate determining factor in your life. Your relationship with Jesus should be the determining factor in your life. That's why I said earlier, your mind has to put him in the forefront. Because if you have the kingdom of God in the forefront of your mind, you have the ability or the delegated authority to tell the devil to shut up in these perilous times. Quit listening to him. And I told you a few months ago or a week ago, a few weeks ago or months ago, stop agreeing with what he says. When you agree with what he says, that gives him power over you. Quit agreeing with the devil and start agreeing with the word. Amen. I don't care what it looks like. Amen. And he says, go ye, what, and it says, all power is given unto me into in heaven and there. Go ye therefore and do what? Teach all nations or make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. What a promise. Even until the end of the world. Let's go a little bit deeper. The mission statement of our church is transforming believers what? Into disciples. Into disciples. Transforming believers into disciples. It is interesting that in the original Greek, the only direct command in this scripture is to make disciples. Hmm. The Great Commission instructs you as a believer to make disciples while you are going throughout the world. In other words, as you are going about your normal, everyday Christian life, you are supposed to be making disciples. And not only do you have to witness with your mouth, but witness with your life and your walk. What do people see when they see you when you don't think they're looking? Hmm? How do you act around certain people when you think other people ain't watching? Are you living a normal Christian life or are you living another kind of life? So how are we going to make them? By baptizing them and teaching them all that Jesus commanded. Make disciples is the primary command of the Great Commission Going, baptizing, and teaching are the means by which we fulfill the command to make disciples. Got it? Now, a kingdom disciple is a believer who takes part in the spiritual developmental process. A kingdom disciple is one who follows someone who is teaching them how to walk. Amen? Amen. It's someone who teaches, a kingdom disciple is someone who receives instruction from another person. 
A kingdom disciple imitates Jesus' examples, example, clings to his sacrifice, and believes in his resurrection, and receives the Holy Spirit, and lives to do his work. All right? We imitate Jesus' example. You cling to his sacrifice, you believe in his resurrection, and you receive the Holy Spirit, and you live to do his work. Acts 1 8, New King James says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus said he'd be with you, right? How will he be with you? Through the Holy Spirit. To the end of the earth. Amen. Luke 24 and 49, New King James says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, this scripture is also part of Jesus' instruction after his resurrection because you do know that Luke wrote Acts 2. Yes, sir. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Even though it doesn't flow together in number-wise, but it's a part of what Jesus was teaching. Amen. Hmm? He told them to wait in Jerusalem and receive power. Now, you've got to remember, he told them to wait. Mm -hmm. All right? He told them to wait. But he's not telling us to wait. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has already been given. Yes. But our part is to ask to receive the Holy Spirit. Yes. Now, we get in initially when we receive Jesus as our Savior, but if you want to be endued yes. with power, you have to ask to be endued with power. Amen? Yes. What does endued mean? It means to be clothed. It means to be clothed with power. So not only do you get indwelled with the Holy Spirit when you receive Him, but when you ask to be endued, you get clothed with Him. You have them inside, and you got them clothed on the outside. How else are you going to keep that armor on? Remember the told on the whole armor of God? Well, the Holy Spirit will hold that armor on when you are endued with power from on high. When you are clothed with the Holy Spirit, that holds your armor on. See, all right. As a believer, you are to be witnessing. You are to be a witness fulfilling the Great Commission in the city, which is Jerusalem, in the state and the country, Judea and Samaria, and anywhere else God sends you to the ends of the earth. Hmm? And if you read Acts just right, Acts chapter one, verse chapter one through chapter seven tells us Jerusalem is evangelized. And then the Spirit expands the church through Judea and Samaria in Acts chapter 8 through chapter 12. Then finally the gospel reaches into the ends of the earth from chapter 13 to chapter 28. This, and, 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 and so we are to be, we are commissioned to carry the gospel of the kingdom. So let me put it where you can get it for today. What does that mean to you for today? What does all that mean? That means this. You, need, you are called to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 through 21, the New Living Translation says this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we can be made right with God through Christ. What is an ambassador? It's an officially designated representative who is authorized to speak in a foreign land on behalf of the country by which he or she is sent. In other words, to put it in Christianese, we always talk about we are just sojourners. This world is not our home. As an ambassador, we represent a foreign land, which is the kingdom of heaven in this foreign land as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Amen? Mm. As an ambassador, ambassador, you must not only speak faithfully, but you must live faithfully. Very, very important. You must not, you don't only talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. Amen. And what's your message? The message of reconciliation. Yes. Urging all believers to be reconciled to God because through the because through the atoning work of Jesus, He is not counting their trespasses against them. Mm. Mm. That is the gospel of the kingdom. And there is no more glorious news to be proclaimed than this. You have been forgiven. That's what we need to find. You have been forgiven. Well, you don't know what I did. No, I don't, but God does, but He still forgives you anyway. Well, I did such and such and such, and you're forgiven. I did such and such and such, and well, you're forgiven. I did that and did that to this person or that person, well, you're forgiven. We are to tell people that they are forgiven. Jesus. God made the way through Jesus Christ. Yes. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 and 4 that God wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. God the Father desires that all people would hear and understand the gospel so that they have the opportunity to believe for eternal life. 2 Peter 3 and 9 New King James says this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering. Thank God for that. Because so many times I have let him down. So many times I have uh, 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 made him cry. He cries tears. Amen. So many times, but God is long-suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. Mm. He's long-suffering toward us. He could end, end what we got right now in an instant yes, yes. and take us out of this world. Yes. But he is long-suffering to those who are unbelievers because he don't want any to perish. He wants everybody to have an opportunity to be slave, saved. Jesus died on the cross to make this possible, but he is not coming down from heaven to do what he has enabled you or endued you to do, which is witnessing directly. Y'all got that? This is what Jesus did after his resurrection, but before his ascension. 
He committed his message to you and me. And our job as his ambassadors is to carry out that mission and to proclaim that message to the world. So as I was studying this this morning, doing my last little run through or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> looking at it, writing most a lot of it, I, and I confess, I had taken the commission for granted. I read it over and over again yes. and understood that it was a command and not just a one-off and a maybe. And what did it do? It brought me to repentance. It wasn't condemning. It was repentance. Yes. Because in this day, in this hour, in this time, God needs us carry out the commission to establish the kingdom of God in the earth. Because even though he is long-suffering, that does not mean forever. Because at some point, Jesus will be coming back when we're not ready for him to come back. In a way that's different than we think. <laughs> Amen. So I, I, I pray that we take his message to heart Amen. and become the kingdom disciples that he needs, the ambassadors that he needs, representing the kingdom of heaven in this foreign land. Because this is not all there is. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Inflation is not all there is. This government is not all there is. Gas prices is not all there is. This world is not all there is. <laughs> and he did not save us for us to just sit back and wait on him. Because eventually we're going to stand before him. And he's going to say, well, who did you talk to? Who did you witness to? And you can't lie. Because right. he already know it's a loaded question anyhow. <laughs> he already got the answer. He just wanted to see what you're going to say. <laughs> you're going to be in front of him and can't lie at that moment. You can't put it off on nobody else but you. So heed these words today. Jesus called us out to be ambassadors. To preach the message of the kingdom. Reconciliation. To tell those of their sins and they can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Praise God. Stand to your feet. Let's give God praise for his word.